Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2019. And we're going to kickstart the year with prayer. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are almighty. Open our eyes, open our ears to your brilliance, to your light, to all that you are, Lord God. In this world, we are dry and dusty. And by your Holy Spirit, Lord God, renew and refresh our lives in you every day. Let not an hour go by, Lord God, without your presence. We give you thanks and praise because you've brought us here even now in health. We are well. We are strong. And this morning we come before you because you are sovereign and you brought us here by your mercy, your goodness. I pray for this word, Lord God, upon my mouth that you bring it to people's hearts and lives and ears that they may hear your truths, Father, and that their lives may be changed. Help me, Lord God, not to do any other thing, Father, than to speak to the lives of people in accordance to your word, that those who have ears may hear, Lord God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to kickstart the year. Our first sermon, 2019. Our first message. I wonder how many messages go across all the churches today. Everyone's preaching a new New Year's sermon, you know. It actually, uh, kick-starting the year reminds me one day when I went out to my garden and I had to cut the lawn. And I went and got this rusty lawnmower that I've got. And I tried to get it started and it wouldn't go. It was old. I needed to get a new one. But, you know, you don't get to that. I'm starting, I'm trying to get this lawnmower working, but it just wouldn't go. So I tipped it over, put it on its back, and I looked underneath, and there was the blade, and it was like this heap of, 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 of really hard, dry grass. Like it all stuck at the blade, stopping it from turning. So I thought, oh, I've got to clean that. That's, that's why it's not working. So I started cleaning it, you know, washing it, and, you know, getting rid of all the grass, all the hard bits, and it was all just gutted in the, in the cog, and it, you know, it got cleaned it all up, and it was so clean, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to get a new blade too, because it's, you know, it looks like a new lawnmower. So I went out, and I got myself a new blade, and I put it on, and it was like really good, and I started to hose it, and I was pretty happy with my lawnmower now, because it was like, I got a new lawnmower. And I was really excited. I, I put oil in and I, you know, did that, that pump the, the button thing. And I was ready to roll. Didn't work. Didn't work. I thought, oh man, what's going on? I just cleaned everything up. And I thought, that's it. I think it just needs more force. And I went, and the, the, the string, gone. The string was actually old, dry, withered. The, 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 the real thing I needed to kickstart this motor just snapped. 
all my energy, all my money, gone. Never used the lawnmower since then. The very essence, that string that I neglected, I didn't pay attention to, but everything else looked pretty good. I almost felt really good, like I had a new lawnmower. And that string, the most important part of the whole lawnmower just snapped. And I was trying to kickstart the year. Like most of us probably. If you can imagine this illustration and apply it to what's going on in your heart and your mind, you might understand that that string, some of us don't realize it's actually snapped. For some of us, we're not looking after this string. We haven't kind of kept it away from the sun and dried it up. And we've just trying to... Is that what your year's like? Is that how you've kick-started the year? Have you actually looked to see whether the string there is actually at work? Have you? What is that string? Well, this morning, I want to talk about this string. And this string is prayer. Prayer. And I want to share with you the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Because in that prayer, you will see life. And you will see how we are to live our lives, not just for this year, but forever till his return. In the Our Father, that we call it. Our Father, that the traditions of the church call it. But hopefully you will see in that, and everyone as we examine it, how we can apply it to our year, our Father. You know the disciples, when they, they were uh, people who sat in darkness and they sprung a great light, there comes Jesus, and they were so excited. And they were so excited about this new way that was happening, this Messiah that has just been coming, the anointed one. They were so excited, and they just wanted to talk to God, and they just didn't know how. So they said to Jesus, teach us. You've got to imagine what that would have been like for people who basically were looking for a Messiah and then suddenly the Messiah comes who's pointing his finger to God. What that would have looked like and been like for Jew- Jewish people, they were quite nervous, quite anxious. That's why they told Jesus to teach us, teach us. Why couldn't they just pray? Lots of prophets in the Old Testament prayed. Why would they need to ask Jesus to teach them? Couldn't they have gone through a prayer of Daniel or, or someone's prayer in the Old Testament and have learned? What was it that they had to ask Jesus to teach us? Because I imagine that the impact of this light that had now shone in darkness was so great that they were pretty anxious about it and they wanted to make sure that, is this how we do it? Teach me, Jesus. Is this, is, this, is this how we pray? It's like someone who's really famous and really big in your life and you think you're so excited. And What do I say to them? What do I say? They're coming. What do I say? Because you're, you're enthralled, you're in awe of this person that's just coming. And so the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, what do we say? What do we say? What do we say? My son asked me the other day, he goes, Dad, why do Christians pray? Like if God knows everything, why do we even pray? <laughs> and I said to him, well, I don't know. Um, as a father, I know you're hungry, don't I? So what do you ask me, Dad, when we're eating? Dad, what are we going to eat? Do you ever think that one day I'm not going to feed you? Of course I'm going to feed you. What do you ask me? Dad, are we eating? Because you have a need. There's this, this desire that happens in you. Like, you know, Dad, I'm, are we there yet? 
you know we're going to get there. Are we there yet? Because there's a desire, there's a something, an intrinsic thing, there's a demand, there's a call, there's a desire. And that's why we pray. God knows everything, but I can't help but talk to him. No one needs to tell me what to say or not to say. I just got to say it. And so the disciples were on that level when they were asking, what do we say, what do we say? Tell me, tell me. And what Jesus shares with them is pretty profound and really beautiful. It's like blind Bartimaeus that was by the side of the road and he was calling out, oh, son of David, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. And they ignored him for a time and then Jesus says, bring him to me. And they said, be, be excited in his coming, come, come, come. And he comes and he goes, what do you want me to do for you? I don't think blind Bartimaeus went and said, what do I say? How do I answer that? <laughs> the intrinsic desire is, Lord, you've got to do this for me, whatever it is. You've got to let me see. And that's how Christians live their lives. Like if your year is, is coming and, and, and your days are rolling by and you haven't had a sense of desire, Lord, and your, your voice has, isn't raised to heaven, Lord, carry, take, then you're starting a motor without looking at your string. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, you pray like this. And he didn't say you pray this, he said you pray like this. And in this prayer, we see, honestly, all of the necessities of life in this prayer. Everything that you need to know and understand is in this prayer. Every way you ought to live is in this prayer. Every thought, every action that you are to live in 2019 is in this prayer. Believe it or not. And he said, you pray like this. He says, our Father who art in heaven. Now do you know that the first verse in the, the book of Genesis is in the beginning God created. In that chapter, the Bible doesn't go out to try and convince you there's a God. It states the fact, in the beginning, God created. It tells you a lot in those few words that God is the creator and he was always in the beginning. God is creator. The author of creation is God. And that's, that's creation. But in the Our Father, it doesn't talk to you about creator. It talks to you about the author of your prayer. The Father. The Father. That's the very first thing that should be at the forefront of your mind when it comes to your relationship with God. God is the Father. The first intimate thought and any acknowledgement of who God is has to be embedded in what? God the Father. Not God the judge. Not God the almighty. Not God the creator. But the intimacy of prayer is God my Father. He actually says God our Father. Beautiful. Because we are living life together. We are all brothers and sisters. Just a simple, simple prayer. So he's teaching them how to pray. 
So when I pray, I realize I'm talking to a father. It changes what I say. It changes how I say it. I'm talking to a father. Before I had my boys, I didn't realize that I was born to be a father. I was born to be a father. When I had my boys, I discovered that. When I had them, I discovered that. Do you understand? Before you were even created, God the Father. Before you were even born, God was the Father. And I realize now much more about this quality or the characteristics about God being the Father through my own fatherhood, through my own boys. God can never hate me. God can never despise me. God can never flick me off. God can never be resentful. God can never be disregarding or, or, or get out of my face. No matter what, he can't be that. When I come before him and I say, our father, I'm talking about brothers and sisters and who God is. Anytime I start to doubt God's character, I think about me as a father. And I think God is better than me. God is way, I'm evil, and look, I can't help but love my children. How much more the Father in heaven. So when I pray, in my mind, I'm talking to an intimate God, a relational God, not someone who's out there who doesn't care. He cares. Our Father. My, my, my little boy, when he was small, I used to put him to sleep. He used to be in the cot. And he wouldn't go to sleep unless he would cuff his hand into a fist and he would lay it underneath my palm. And he would do this. He'd sleep like that. While my palm just sat on his fist. That's how he'd fall asleep. And if I was to pull away, he'll start to... And he's looking, he's looking for my hand. Literally, he'd be looking for my hand. So that the heart of a child to the father. I want, I want to put my hand on his, I want to hold his hand. I want him to feel me in the darkness. I want him to experience my warmth, my palm. It was just as much pleasing for me than it was for him. That's my father. And when you pray, you have that already, the first thing on your mind. Like when you read the Bible, you know God is creator. When you pray, you know God is the father. You can't drag boring, dull prayers into 2019. Because God is not after your prayer. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what you say. When you sit down and you kneel down and you have no words to say, but you know he's your father. You've touched his heart. Yeah, all the words in the world aren't going to fathom up an experience that you're my father. Religious talk and language, you can pray and sing and not know he's your father. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is a place of reverence. 
holy is your name. Holy doesn't necessarily mean this kind of a purity, you know, like it's like stainless, it's just pure. Holy means that it's separate. This is quite crucial. I need to know that God is separate from me, man. I don't want God to be in my problems. I want God to be outside of my problems to pull me out. And his name is holy. Holy means that his name is unlike any other name. That good news. Not also like to know that the name of Jesus Christ is above all other names. That's why I'm kneeling down, coming before you, Lord. Because if there was someone else with the answer, I'd be at, on my knees worshipping them, asking of them. But your name is holy, O Lord. Why is your name holy, O Lord? Why is your name above all other names? Why is your name separated? I dwell in the heavens, not on earth. I am separated because my name saves. There's no other name that saves. That's why it's part of the Ten Commandments. You shall not blaspheme because that name is a beautiful name. At that name, demons tremble. At that name, people are healed. At that name, there's salvation. What other name is there in this world? So when you come to pray with our Father, holy be your name, it's not just words, it's a deep truth that exists in your heart that you know I'm coming before you because there's no other person in the world, there's no other name in the world that I can come before. So when Jesus said you shall pray like this, he's not telling him this is what you've got to do, memorize this and this is how you do it. He's showing him this is the, the, the character, the, the, the heart behind when you, when you talk to God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that is the difference between those who are Christian and those who are religious. You know what you're asking there? You're saying to God, God, exactly the way heaven exists and the way you rule in your kingdom, let it come down and rule here on earth. Now that's, that's, not, that's not a religious prayer. That's a prayer that basically believes that my life is embedded in the ministry and the kingdom of God. That is someone who's crying out and saying, Lord, I need this world of mine, this family of mine, this surrounding of mine to be your kingdom. Let it be according to the way you rule in heaven, rule here on earth. Now you can't pray that if you're religious or if you don't care. You can't pray that if everything you do in your life is all about me, me, me. Or it's about your job, it's about your career, it's about how successful you are or how much money you make. You can't pray that. It's a pointless, it's a vain prayer. So how many of you in 2019 said, Lord, let your kingdom reign in 2019 in my life? What does that mean? Well, that means simply this. Lord, what do you want from me in 2019? Where is my ministry? Where is my service? Which, which, where do I uh, fill a hole or a gap in the church in, in, among your people, in your kingdom, our Father. And you wonder why my Christian life isn't the way it should be. 
Like, you know, I'm not where I need to be. Because I honestly tell you, everything else other than the service of God is plain boring. I'm not kidding you. Everything else in your existence, if it's not embedded in the service of the King of Kings, it is boring. So much so it's sickening. It's dull. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. The life and the light of the world is offering you the greatest gift, and that is to come and follow me. Come, leave everything and follow me. Anything outside of this light and life is plain dull. And if you haven't worked out in 2019 what is your ministry, what do you want from me, Lord? How do you want me to serve you? And if you don't cry with a heart to want to know, 2019 is just going to be like 2018. It's just going to be dull and boring. You're just going to do what everyone else does, just survive another year. But how exciting is it that 2019, man, God has a purpose and a plan for you this year that you ought to be walking in. Isn't that exciting? That the reason why you are not dead and the reason why you are alive and the reason why you still breathe is because God has to fulfill his will in you. He has to complete it. How many of you are asked, 2019, Lord, what do you want me to do in the church? What do you want me to do in your ministry? What do you want me to do in your service? I know what. In 2019, I'm going to go to the men's retreat. What a change. 2019, I'm going to make an effort to go to every single church activity for the sake of the flock because he's our father. That's it. And that's what God reveals, that's what you do, very simple. No, I'm going to go to India and convert 10,000 people. Fantastic. No, I'm going to make a regular attendance to church because I know that I am called for this Sunday morning. And I'm going to commit to the prayer and to communion and to the assembly. Fantastic. I'm going to take that sin that so easily throws me off. And I'm going to crucify it. 2019. I'm going to take that, that, that selfish indulgence, that, that applause, that people say, you're fantastic, man. And I'm going to crucify that. 2019. I'm going to focus on those things that puff me up and I'm going to cast them down. 2019. Because Lord, I need your kingdom to come and reign how you rule in heaven, come and rule in my heart. That's what you're asking. Come and rule in my heart in 2019. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know who understood this really well? The centurion. When Jesus came to heal, he said, no, no, don't come in. I'm not worthy to be under the same roof. So he understood that he needed to get out of the way. He needed to get out of the way so that Jesus can do what he has to do. In 2019, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I need to get out of the way. I need to get out of my kingdom building. 
I've got to get out of my own objectives, my own purpose. Let your kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, we try to fix other kingdoms up rather than our own kingdom. Jesus doesn't do that. See, you're calling to God and you're saying, God, I see the way you reign in heaven. I see the authority you have over the angels. I see the way you rule and your commands. I see it all and I want that rule to be over my life and and over my kingdom. People do it the other way around. People want to tell other people how to rule their kingdom, but their own kingdom, is, is they can't rule it well. Jesus Christ rules his kingdom with authority. All power and glory and honor belong to you, O Lord. Now listen to this one. Give us this day our daily bread. You laugh at that? Give us this day our daily bread. If there's something that you want to take out of the Bible, like get rid of it, it'll be this verse. Give us this day our daily bread, are you kidding? Who's Jesus talking to? How can anyone pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread? What does that even mean? This doesn't belong to me. Before I go to sleep, I don't say, Lord God, give me food tomorrow. I don't think I've ever prayed it once. I think I generally pray, thank you God for the food you provide. You know? Lord, please, please feed my children tomorrow. (laughs) Kidding? When Jesus was telling these people, give us this day our daily bread, He's talking to, to, to a poverty-stricken nation. People that didn't have full-time positions or jobs that they knew were guaranteed that there was going to be a wage in their, in their account every, you know. These were people who basically went from day to day that Jesus had to say to them, listen, consider the lilies of the field. Consider, the, look at the birds. Don't worry. These were people who were anxious about having a meal at the table tomorrow. They were anxious. They feared that the, tomorrow they're not going to have a meal. And so Jesus says, hey, you can ask God. You can ask God the Father to give you bread. But it hardly belongs to us now, does it? But are you dependent on him for everything that sustains your life? No, not really. And this is where this beautiful prayer cuts away the religious from true spirituality. Are you dependent on him in everything that you own and everything that you have? Are you dependent on him or is it a kingdom that you've built? Give us this day our daily bread. Do you know in, um, in, in, in the Korean War that a lot of kids became orphans? So much so that they didn't have enough food to feed all the orphans. And these kids were very, very anxious about their next meal. They had the comforts of it, the, the shelter, clothes, a bed, everything. But they were very, very anxious. They didn't know why they were anxious. Even though they had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
they were still very anxious until one of the guys looking after them was like, what's going on? Why are you guys all anxious? He discovered that they were scared that they weren't going to have that meal tomorrow because it had been taken away from them. So he got crumbs of bread, pieces of bread, and he put them in their palm, all these orphans, and they slept with the bread in their palm as a certainty that there's food tomorrow. And it took away their anxiety. I don't think, I don't think we ang- we're anxious, are we? Like, but what if you didn't have a job, you didn't have money, you didn't have food? Could you trust him in this prayer? Could you say, God, give us this day our daily bread and leave that prayer at the foot of Jesus and move on? We hardly worry about food. We worry about our clothes. Whether I've got enough money to buy that brand. Whether I've got enough money to have that luxury or to have that pleasure or to have that holiday. Give us this day our yearly holiday. And we get all, we all, we get, we get all anxious that we, you know, we don't have enough money. Give us this day our daily bread is a full dependency on Jesus. That's all. When you pray, pray like this, with a full dependency on God. Pray like that. That's what he's telling his disciples. Give us this day our daily bread. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. My focus is to focus on what is righteous, what is holy, what is true. Lord, anything that is not according to that way, that path, dear, turn me around. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Do you understand this prayer is a, is a, is a righteous man's prayer? Is the true Christian's prayer? That they're watching their life and they're saying, Lord, I don't wanna go that way if it's not your will. Turn me the other way. Lead me not into temptation. God doesn't lead anyone into temptation. God doesn't lead anyone to be tempted. And what he's saying is he's basically saying, if there's a temptation along the road, make sure that I don't go there, Lord. Turn it around for me. Lead me not there. And if I happen to get stuck there because of my own pride, my own ego, my own selfishness, my own greed, deliver me out of evil. Because by that time, it's too late. And like a good father that you are, that's what he does. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Forgive me my sins as I forgive others. It's easy to believe God forgives your sins. But there's a fine line in forgiving others And I believe this is very, very significant and God put it in the prayer life. The prayer life, not the Our Father, but the prayer life. You can't come to God and pray and pray and pray if in your heart there are issues with each other. Listen carefully because no matter how much we preach and teach this, people still harbor in their hearts an unforgiveness and an unresolved sin that they keep covering and cloaking and the the ears of God are blocked from your prayers, but you build up a self-righteousness as though God is for you and God is clapping and applauding you. 
But God can't hear you when you can't forgive one another. God doesn't hear anything you say when in your heart you can't let go. And this is what happens. See, I'll tell you what happens. People don't want to deal with their pride. They don't want to deal with their pride. So they cloak it up in different ways. And they build up a self-righteousness. But all the devil does, he just leaves you alone. Because if he can establish and stabilize in your life a seed of resentment and, and jealousy or envy or unforgiveness, and that's there and it hasn't been resolved and you haven't pulled it out, then he just wipes his hand and he leaves. And it's still there, it hasn't been fixed. Do you understand the deception of the enemy? Until that thing is, is uprooted, confessed, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, you're still in your sin, but the devil's cloaked it as some righteous act. It's a deception. Why would the devil tempt you with the very thing that he knows you're holding on to? He just leaves you to yourself with that very thing. Let that chain you up. That's what the devil does. He just leaves you alone and he goes, he's off, he's off. As soon as he sees any movement or any breaking of that bondage or that link, he's back again to see whether you really, really love him, whether you're really serious about it. And no sooner does the temptation come around, you thought, I dealt with it, I dealt with it, and then it comes back again and bang, you really haven't dealt with it. You just haven't been tempted by it. You haven't really experienced the, the, the bloodshed over sin. So this is why we need the Spirit of the Lord. This is why we, we need to understand that in our prayer, there is a sense of freedom from man. I'm not bound by anyone. If I've hurt someone, I've said sorry. If, if, if someone's hurt me, I've reconciled myself to them. And if they don't wanna, if they don't wanna change, I'm free from that too. That's why it's very important in prayer that this is the state of the heart. So as I share this, even now, 2019, if there is in your heart any picture that is not Jesus Christ, when you look at one to another and love them with the love of Christ, then you need to resolve it. Because you're not going to go to 2019 and keep, keep your prayers going, Right? You need to resolve it. I'm doing, I'm, doing you, I'm doing you a favor, guys. I'm telling you how to have a successful 2019. If the Lord speaks to your heart and says, listen, you don't love them the way I loved you. The way I loved you, you don't love them. And that very thing, that person in your head right now, that person in your head right now, that one you must go to and confess. Do you understand me? Now you could do what you want with that, but I believe the Spirit of the Lord is speaking. You must confess it and set yourself free. I don't know why my prayer life is so dry, so dull. Well, that's because of that. If you pray, if you pray. I don't think people generally last long in prayer when they have this problem, this one here. Because I believe every time you, 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 you try to pray, if you're truly seeking after the Lord, the Lord can't leave you 
empty, can't leave you lacking. He'll, he'll speak. And generally, if people don't want to obey God, they'll harden their heart and they'll see their conscience. But those of you who are, who are desiring the things of God, those of you who hunger and thirst after his righteousness, and you're wondering why my prayers are dry, why I can't seem to, you know, maybe God wants to clean something up. Forgive me my sins as I forgive others. As I forgive others. If you're wondering, where am I taking all this stuff from? There's two, two passages in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, he doesn't go into great detail of what or how Jesus taught regarding this prayer. But in Matthew chapter 6, have a look. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. He opens up while he's trying to teach the disciples. And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites. You see? (laughs) The Our Father cannot be prayed by the hypocrites. How awesome is that? That our Father can't be prayed by religious people. And when I say the Our Father, I'm not talking about our Father who art in heaven. I'm talking about the heart and, and, and the, the presence of God in that place of prayer. That can't be done among hypocrites or religious people. Even in that prayer, you're caused to search your heart, making sure that you're clean with everyone. Thy kingdom come, verse 10, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Here's the conclusion. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. This is every person's uh, attitude. Everything belongs to God, his power, his glory, his honor, and his kingdom. It is all yours, Lord. 2019. What a fantastic way to kickstart the year. The Lord's Prayer. Do you dare to pray as a church this prayer? Let us pray. Our Father, you who dwell in the heavens, the one who loves us, who created us and called us to be your children. How holy are you, O Lord. How holy are you. There is no one like you. There is nothing like you. You are the answer to life. In you there is freedom. You are the 
true God, the one God. We pray, Lord God, that your kingdom comes, that your will may be done, Lord God, in our hearts and in our lives. Pray, Father, for this year, Lord God, that every person in this room finds their purpose, their vision in you, that they would stop seeking after the things of the world and settle and establish their faith in your ministry, that everyone in this room asks, Lord, what would you have of me? And that you may reign, Lord God, in our fellowship, among our church, among the people, more importantly, Lord God, that you may reign in our hearts. Give us, Lord God, those things that we need in this world, Lord, in order for us to serve you, the food, the clothes, the house, the car, those things that we need, Lord God, in order to live and glorify your name. Help us to be dependent on you and to trust you in all things, Lord. Pray, Lord God, that you would give us a spirit of forgiveness, a spirit that is free from the bondage of men, man's opinions and attitudes. Pray, Father, that you would set free those in this, this place, Lord God, who still hold on and harbour bitterness, anger, resentment. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray you cast it out, that you would bring people to confess and humble themselves in order to find freedom. Father, I thank you, Father, for your forgiveness, the cleansing of sin, Lord God. I ask you, Lord God, that you would release those who are in bondage, release those, Lord God, who are in chains. Everyone in this room, Lord God, that still does not know you, I pray, Father, you would convict them and bring them to the knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, we leave everything in your hands because all things belong to you, Father. You are worthy of all honour, praise and glory, Father. All power belongs to you in Jesus' name. Amen.